How do you start a podcast? I don't know. How do you start a podcast? Hello. Hey, how was your week? No, we didn't even tell anybody what they're listening to. Oh, I said the I, there's a title. Yeah, but this is still the greatest podcast that you're ever going to listen to. Humbly. 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 This Humbly is the greatest speaking. podcast. We're, we're a big deal now. I know. We're getting too big. This is getting too much. We were always worried. So like, publicity. we appreciate everybody who's maybe listening to us for the first time from the Compass article. We were the front page of the Compass. We did not know that we were going to be front page, by the way. We didn't. I thought I we no were going to be some fluff piece right. on page seven for some news dump Friday because nothing's going on because it's summer. I was not expecting my face to be on the front page of anything in my entire life. So this is a weird experience for me. And we always talked about what's the level of notoriety we get to before we have to shut it down. Right. Because we never wanted, we still don't, still don't want like major notoriety from this podcast because it's not really about you and I. Correct. It's about the people who come on to, to tell their stories. Right. Right. Um, so I, I think that's pretty cool. So thank you so much, um, Suzanne, who wrote the article. I appreciate yeah. it very, it's a great very, very much. It's a great article. Great article. She made us look really good. It really did. How yeah. was your uh, weekend, John? You went up to yeah. um, Chatech area, right? Yeah, Warehouser, Wisconsin. Visited my aunt and uncle up north there, you know. I, I said it wrong last week. So I said up north to, uh, to non-Wisconsin like but uh yeah i went uh to warehouser it was nice a little chilly for summer on the lake but it was uh it was so nice good uh good times on the pond too just kind of you know bundled up in a blanket and drove on the lake and had a couple cold brews you know just good time we were here for the parish picnic yeah um i ran that 5k john i know you did i'm very proud of you i did not get sick I did not finish last of the runners. Good. Nice. There was somebody, I think, I, who thought that the course ended maybe 50 meters from where it did, and they were walking. I'm not going to call out this person, but like I booked it and finished before them. Proud of you. But the problem was, John, is that it rained for the uh, first two miles. Oh, it's like the whole thing. Of the run. Yeah, the last mile, like home stretch. It, it stopped raining. Yeah. But like, of course, I was a little worried that they were going to cancel it because while I didn't want to run in the rain, I also wasn't about to throw like months of training, like right. you myself up to, yeah. to do this, to like have it canceled. But I got sick. I know. I'm sorry. Okay, so I, I, I sound nasally. Yeah. And I got like my normal cold stuff. Like it started in my throat. Um, I always go through the same pattern. It start. It, there's always mucus in my throat. Hmm. Then it starts to hurt because yeah. I clear my throat a bunch. Love it. Then the pain stops and it just switches to my nasal cavity. Oh, and then you're like, when you fall asleep, you like gotta like switch to one side because you only breathe through one nostril, and then you gotta switch to the other side. You ever done that? Yeah, yeah. I, like had to. Yeah. That's so, the worst. so I'm on a bunch of drugs right now. Nice. Just uh, I hope they're per- all legal ones. Over the counter. Okay. Perfectly fine drugs. Uh, but I do want to ask you a question because okay. you're a nurse. Uh, apparently, I am. And yeah. you're uh, studying to 
be able to some say that yeah to be yeah, a better yeah. nurse <laughs> <laughs> i'm saying to be a nurse practitioner yeah, practitioner. yeah so like you've been taking classes on like medicine i'm actually in one right now yeah yeah so when i went uh because piggly wiggly is super close to our house yeah when i went to piggly wiggly to pick out some cold medicine because the only medicine we had at the house was like Sudafed. okay or like just congestion stuff yep and I'm like, I need to not be sniffly during the podcast, so I need like cold, cold medicine. Right. And there's a lot of med- there's a lot of medicines there. It's like cold, severe, like runny nose, aches, fever, chills, all this kind of jazz. But I only needed the relief for the runny nose. Mm. So here's my question. Okay. What is it possible that like we just have medicine that's just for runny noses? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I feel like whatever part of that drug yeah. is that like deals with runny noses, I want just that, but super powered. Okay, so I'm gonna tell you right now, Afrin is like Is that the spray stuff? Yeah. Yeah. But only that- use it you only can use it for like three days. Because you'll get rebound congestion then. Uh but it's a it's a constrictor and what it does is it it uh vasoconstricts and then you get less less drainage to there. It's 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 great. It's like a miracle. Like people love it. People actually get like addicted to it. <laughs> that's why they say only take it for three days. But yeah, Afrin. Like that's gonna be your best friend. That's, go go that's, and get it. It's the spray, right? Yeah. So Elizabeth. Well, had yeah. Me, there's like multiple sprays, but that's like the best one. Elizabeth had me take like a congestion spray, and it was yeah. like I couldn't breathe out of my nose in like 15 minutes. And I'm like, oh my goodness. It, it probably is Afrin. Like, it's like a miracle, man. It, it was it was so crazy. Yeah. And then, like, I was trying to plan out today when I could take it again so right. it would still be working for the yeah. podcast. When did you start it? Last night. Okay. All right. You're good for a little bit. Yeah. Before yeah, it's I the best. Addicted. Yeah. No. It, it, <laughs> yeah. I had a patient once addicted to Afrin, and he couldn't have Afrin because of what he was in the hospital for. Like, it was contraindicated. And he left AMA, meaning like against medical advice. He had to like sign a waiver, leaving the hospital because he wanted his Afrin that bad. But I couldn't give it to him because it was like, I can't give this to you. It's contraindicated, man. He's like, fine, I'll leave. So he just left to get his Afrin. Like middle of the night, 3 a.m. in the morning, this guy left because he couldn't, he couldn't like breathe without it. Well, that's, yeah. that's great. So if you are having a cold, use Afrin. But only for three days. And if your doctor says it's okay. But usually it's okay. How often do people like... I mean, we're going to topic. But how often like... It's like, call your doctor before you use it. How often does that actually happen? Like that people actually call their doctor yeah. before they use it? Yeah. Um, not often. Yeah. <laughs> Probably not. For over-the-counter stuff, you usually don't have to worry about it. Unless you have like a lot of comorbidity stuff going on. So like if you've got a lot of health issues i guess then you might want to talk to your doctor because it could be a reason you shouldn't take it but yeah most of the counter stuff is pretty pretty safe pretty yeah. safe so but still read the labels because you can only take that some of the stuff for a certain amount of days there you go there's your advice yeah okay. reading is always reading is important <laughs> yeah it's always good um always good. so i was uh it's been a pretty cool week as far as like spiritual growth wise nice um so so i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna do it like this so i i found a new band i'm not one of those people that like really like to find new music like it bothers me because i'm like oh what if i don't what if i don't like it then like i just don't 
I just don't like want to hear it then. I'm like worried too much that they're going to suck. I kind of feel the same way about books. Hmm. Like I, for a while I only read classics yeah. because I know they're going to be good. Okay. Because That's I've fair. read books in the past where like I get halfway through, I'm like, this is the worst thing. Hmm. And I feel obligated to finish it. Right. Cause you but like it sucks, started it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I'm not really one of those kind of guys that like really likes to find new bands. And I found new bands in the past couple of years that like slowly will work into my normal repertoire of listening. Sure. Um, so there's this band, they're called the Unlikely Candidates, Unlikely Candidates. They're great. Um, and I was listening to one of their, I was like bands earlier stuff because that's when they're most raw. Uh, and they have this song called Follow My Feet. Okay. And it, this that all ties together. Okay. So um, some of the, the lyrics, uh, I go like, and I'm going somewhere with this, I promise. Um, I trust you. <laughs> thanks. There's a fork in the road ahead of, in front of me at the crossroads of identity. The devil is standing to the left. And I'm going to pause. So the, the fork in the road has one road that is steady and steep up. And the other one is um, like, I don't know, the more flat, but it goes, it goes down. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, e- easy and deep is, is what it, easy and deep. The okay. low road is easy and deep. And um, there's this interesting kind of, there's, there's this idea, like clearly, like you could choose the easy way or the hard way. Right. Like the easy way is like the hard, the easy way is the hard way because it's hard to do the good stuff. Like that's on the like surface. Right. But um, while in the lyrics here, the the devil says something to whoever the writer is um, that I think is quite interesting and kind of shows the craftiness of of the evil one. Oops. And he speak it. The the devil says something that is true. Um, but kind of but it but is definitely warped. He says, either way, they both lead to death. Right. Which is absolutely true. Right. Which is absolutely true. So like this, this idea that like you could take the easy way or you could take the the good way and it's hard. It's going to be hard. You're going to die. Or you could take this other way of the world or whatever and it's fun and you're still going to die. So like when you weigh the two options, you're like, oh yeah, I'm going to have fun. So... I, I was kind of medit. I was meditating on this because it's an interesting idea. It's you know, it's it's true. I, I'm a fan of Memento Mori. Right. I know that I'm going to die. I'm not afraid of death. Right. Um, I do fear aging. Yeah. Is not being able to do the things that I can healthily do right now as a 29 year old. Right. Right. Um, but I don't fear death mm-hmm. um, because I have hope in yeah. resurrection. I've I've I have hope that that God's mercy is is more than. Um, my abundant stupidity. I am with you there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it, it got me thinking, uh, and we, I was at confirmation this week and you know, my wife. Yeah. One of the greatest people yeah, in the world. Definitely. Um, definitely. I'll kick my coverage on that one. For sure. Um, I'm with you there. man. So she had this for the confirmandi. She had this, <coughs> excuse me. She had this walkabout in the social hall. With all of these saints mm-hmm. and all of their like stories. Yeah. And when we 
when those saints, especially like Saint Therese of Lisieux, mm-hmm. um, Saint Francis of Assisi, because these are easy ones, you know, that we're all going to remember, right? You know, Saint Martin de Porres, um, Saint John Baptiste de Sales, right? Um, all of these saints did great things in their lives, but never saw the fruits of what they did. Right. St. Teresa yeah. Lisieux wrote a book. She died at 24. She wrote her yeah. biography that I'm guessing have brought more people closer to, to Jesus than she ever would have alive. Right. St. Francis of Assisi probably didn't under- know that his order would become one of the largest in the world. Still to this day. Um, there's, there's, there's a really interesting idea here of legacy mm-hmm. and what is a legacy. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, planting seeds in a garden you never get to see. Yeah. And to connect it back to this song that you can, the, the, the devil is saying truth in this instance because he's, he is telling you, yeah, both of these ways lead to death. You're going to die. Yeah. Right. That's we already know inevitable. That. Congratulations. Yeah. But he stops at the death part. Because there's a time beyond that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't even mean like we're not even going into the transition uh, of life into mm-hmm. eternity. Um, we're talking about, uh, I'm specifically talking about um, Father Mike Schmitz had this really great, God bless Father Mike Schmitz. <laughs> um, he said that he was talking Again. to one of his spiritual directors, <laughs> yeah. and his spiritual directors one time said to him, You know, Mike. No one's going to remember you when you die. Hmm. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know that. No, no. No one's going to remember you when you die. Hmm. And I'd pause for effect there because this is the reality for all of us. That you, me, in tiny Manitowoc, Wisconsin, which we love dearly with our families or whatever, one day three generations, four generations, whatever, no one's going to remember who you are. Hmm. I'm going to open a cough drop here. Go for it, man. I think that's... <coughs> it, yeah, it's a, it's incredible to like ponder on that. Of like, there's going to be a day where most of us will... Nobody's going to remember who we were. You know? Now, are there people who, you know, like we've said on this podcast... Uh, like we started this podcast who continue to tell their stories. Yeah. And I think I know where you're going at with this. And I'm not going to be doom and gloom here because I want to go back to what I said before. Mm. A legacy is a seeds that you plant in a garden that you never get to see. Yeah. Eventually that garden's going to grow. And for the first generation, second generation, maybe they know, Oh yeah. John planted that garden. Yeah. My grandpa John planted that garden. My great grandfather John planted that garden. Mm-hmm. Eventually, that garden is just going to be there, and it's going to be beautiful. Right. But when nobody remembers that you planted it, we go to then look at what God has created. Mm. So our our legacies yeah. become, if we do things correctly, as we should, <laughs> they become back they lead people back to god definitely yeah it's um 
it makes you think about the impact that you have, you know, in this world. I was actually just talking a little bit about um, this past weekend with my sister. It's funny to talk about legacy because I literally just had a conversation with my cousin and my sister and my wife about my mom's legacy. My mom, before she passed away, God bless her, she goes, I don't know what my legacy will be. And we all kind of laughed and we're like, the fact that you don't know what your legacy will be just shows what your legacy will be because she did everything in kind heart. She did everything for her family. She did everything in the glory of God. So like she didn't do anything to make a legacy, if that makes sense, but she did everything, um, you know, like for other people. And that is what makes beautiful fruits, not ugly ones, right? Because you can have a bad legacy too. You know, you can have a legacy that is, is not well, well perceived. Um, so it makes you think about, you know, your time here on earth, death is inevitable. Which route are you going to choose? You know, are you going to choose the easy route and, and are you going to choose a hard route? And sometimes the hard route is the best route. It is always the best route, I should say. Um, now you should purposefully like seek out harmful things just to have that hard route. But it's more so saying that it, life is hard. Don't be afraid to to tackle that challenge. So, um, and luckily, you you and I um, not to say that we don't have hard lives, but we don't. Right. Uh, because we're yeah. both, you know, no kids yet, both married, lots of free time. Yeah. That brings us to our guest this week, <laughs> who does not have the amount of free time uh, that that you and I have. We've, we've been so excited to have Diane Vadney on the show for weeks, because this is episode yeah. one. With Diane Vadney. Right, of question mark. Of question mark, yeah. because we'd love to have you on m- many times. We joked very we joked very often that we were just going to bring in a dictionary, point to a random word, <laughs> and say, um, Diane, onomatopoeia. And then you could just go for 45 minutes, and is, I'm sure it would be great. Is that the thing where you you the word is what it sounds like? Onomatopoeia. Yeah. Yeah. What is an onomatopoeia? Yeah, I've heard the word. Like crap. Oh, yeah, like, like pop. Yes, that is right. I actually, oh my gosh, I should know this. You know why? I created an onomatopoeia song. Nice. <laughs> Go ahead. Bring it on. No, back in like middle school, I created an onomatopoeia song. I don't, I don't remember it, but I think it was like splish, splash, crickety crack or something like that. <laughs> Got an A plus, I'm and sure. And then I performed it. I was, it I was a really cool flips. kid, Cameron. I was a really cool kid. <laughs> and uh the girls lined up at recess definitely yeah they're all autographs like, please john's gonna be famous someday he's such a good songwriter onomatopoeia i haven't heard that song in a while but now that i say it i'm like <laughs> i remember that word <laughs> um, so dan i uh, we're really also excited to have you on after we had just had the compass article too because we know that this is going to be a good episode. Oh, and like if people show up just guys. after the article, the first episode that's on is, is no you. No pressure. Uh, no pressure at all. No. No pressure at all. But you're one of those people that like... I do love talking. Well, you love talking, but you can also like... I'd be okay listening to you talk for like an hour and a half. Uh, I'm always worried I'm holding people like conversationally hostage. Like I have to check their eyes to make sure like, <laughs> are they okay? Like I'm having fun, but is this... 
acceptable. It's time to be over, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you're pretty well known in the parish, and I'm sure there's lots of people who do know your your Possibly. story. Um, oh, I don't know. But I think it's I think it's a phenomenal story. Um, I think I need Cameron to tell it to me. Yeah. Oh no, I'm not. That's not why you're here. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Forgot. Um, forgot. Sorry. So were you a were you a cradle Catholic? Were you? Yep. Yeah, so it's so interesting. I feel like listening to your interesting like intro here, I had like so many interesting thoughts. So perhaps we'll weave them in. But yes, I was raised uh, Catholic, and so I I grew up in Manitowoc, and this is where I love being. Um, and part of why I love being here is I think my family um, wove together a life that made each of us feel so. Um, so much a part of something mm. like our family made you feel part of something and um and i think that was like part of what their i feel like the legacy of the generations yeah. made me want to be a part of that and be a part of manitowoc mm-hmm. and so um yep I, I was raised catholic and i think we i went to a catholic school here and i loved it and when i was away for 15 years like I prayed so hard that the Lord would let me come back here so that my kids could go to school here because I thought it was an incredible place. And everywhere else I went in the country, they have very nice schools, but they're not accessible. And so like when we had Catherine and we lived out in Fayetteville, New York, which is a suburb of Syracuse, it's um, they've got Catholic schools out there. And I asked at the parish, even though she was an infant. I was like, so how much does it cost to go to your kindergarten? They're like, $5,000. And I'm like, wow. For kindergarten? Yes. Oh and I was God. like, okay, so how does financial aid work? Because <laughs> you know, I like just totally chose this crunchy life of being a stay-at-home mom by choice, and yeah. I wanted to um, save money and just live simply. And Anyway, so they were like, oh, yeah, we give financial aid. And I'm like, oh, awesome. Like, How, do, how does that affect things? How does, it, does that bring things down? They're like, oh probably like $500 a family. And I'm like, never mind, dear oh, Jesus, man. please take me back to Manitowoc <laughs> as soon as possible. I want so, out. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I, I grew up here. And it's funny because like I always felt very connected to being a Christian and very connected to helping people. That was very much a part of being Catholic for my family. Mm. Um, so if you could walk, you could serve. And if you could listen you could know that it was important to help people. Mm-hmm. And that was yeah. super important. Um, and going to church regularly was a big part of it. And then I think most families hit a point where schedules get busy and things pop up on Sundays. And I remember thinking as a kid, like, wait a minute, do we? Maybe they're not going to make us go to 10 o'clock church today, you know? <laughs> and so um, there was a period of time and it like bled into college where I think I was a pretty lax churchgoer um but at the same time at school i was still getting like diane d wayne religion award you know and so like i was still doing the things and still i guess um finding those things to be important and valuable but um i think that changed in in college so that's i feel like um sometimes the the people you meet in life just sort of help you rethink how you're doing things. So what does that what does that change look like when you go to cuz you went to Catholic University? I did. Right in DC. 
And actually, my first year was spent at Creighton. So I spent... Oh, okay. Yep. So back in the day, I was like a total diehard pre-med student. And I had done all the things I was supposed to do in high school. So I jumped through all the hoops, got, you know, solid grades or whatever I was supposed to do to try to get into a good college that would give me a good pre-med base, that would get me into med school, so that I, you know, the whole thing. So... um I had never heard of Creighton before, and I uh, remember like being exhausted and like sitting on the floor outside my bedroom door as a high school student, and like the you know how you get junk mail as a college or as a pre-college person. Yeah. So um, I remember like getting this brochure and thinking, "Ugh, more garbage." And then like I looked at it, and it was a pre-med guarantee program that was just starting at Creighton, and they were offering it to try to help balance people out so that people weren't fried for like 10 years and then they were going to go be doctors. Right. So um, the first year of it was going to be my freshman year. And once you were in, you were basically guaranteed a spot in med school. So you just yeah, had to awesome. say, I want to be part of your program. I'm not going to get in trouble at school, no disciplinary action. I'm going to keep a 3-5. If you're even trying as a pre-med oh student, give me yeah. a break, right? Yeah. And then... Um, so anyway, I ended up out there. I think MCATs, you took them as a formality. You did like interviews, but it was all like basically don't screw up and you're in. That's and nice. um, so I went out there and I didn't know anything about the school. And I remember people on my floor being like, you're not coming to mass? I'm like, I got to study my chemistry. You know, I got to test them on Monday. And I just, I feel like, thank God people in life put pressure on people because I think I wouldn't have gone to church ever again. <laughs> I feel like I was so naughty. I kind of had this idea that I'm I'm a good person. I'm doing decent things. I'm not hurting anybody. And I feel like um, I would sign up to be on a service group. I would do stuff like that. I, I'm not going to church. Big deal. And I feel like, thank God, I ran into people both at Creighton and definitely at Catholic University that um and they the guy there that was in charge of the little group that did everything um shout out to tim mcgovern because i'll probably send this to him (laughs) and be like see (laughs) you really like you left a legacy tim mcgovern but he did this to everybody on campus he was a fun person to be around he was not strange not weird he was cool to hang out with and he would just not let it drop like just come to daily mass with us i'm like oh what and Nah, miss the pasta bar at lunch? No. Daily mass. I'm like, that's crazy. I yeah. barely made it to Sunday mass. <laughs> and so um, I felt like those people, thank God, they never gave up. And they just, um, they had two things going for them, persistence and authentic joy. Mm-hmm. And I just kept thinking like, I'm a transfer student and these cool people keep asking me to hang out. Why would I not say yes? Okay, cool. I'll go hang out. You know, I'm in the pew next to him. They're like all kneeling for a while before mass starts. And I'm thinking like, I tap one of them on the shoulder. Hey, hey, did you, um, did you get the notes on that? And they're like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm praying. And I'm like, oh, oh, sorry. Sorry about that. In, in my home parish, we kind of like just talk before church. Okay. So it was very eye opening to see how different people lived their faith and did different things. Um, but I, yeah life-changing so part of me has never forgotten that and part of me always feels like i gotta try to like invite people to stuff because their life could be deeper and richer than they know 
and I wouldn't have known it, but somebody stopped and kept asking me. So, it's a little something. So, what was the reason for the transfer from Creighton to Catholic? To anybody at Creighton or living in Omaha, this was only me. (laughs) You have a beautiful city and a wonderful (laughs) school. This was only me. (laughs) I actually, I, I just didn't. I don't think I was meant to be there. I think, which is okay. Part two, three, four, whatever. We can cover some <laughs> other things, but like, what's really weird is that if I had known, because I wanted to be an OBGYN. So, like, if I had known that the like the greatest Catholic women's health program existed at Creighton, I would never have left. I would have been like locked in. Hopefully, I would have been a doctor. But like, I don't think it was God's plan. And so, it's really interesting to me that I did not know that piece of information until like a year and a half later (laughs) when I had kissed it goodbye and, (laughs) you know, kissed away all my scholarship money that I'd worked so hard for. And they, they, yeah, so I transferred to Washington, D.C. simply because the school was in Washington, D.C. So in high school, I come from like a super like politically minded family. And so um, for 120 years, they've been lawyers in town and, Mm Um, I didn't know that like that could open up like lawyer jokes until I was in sixth grade. I didn't know what lawyer jokes were. I didn't know that lawyers are typically thought to be like <laughs> conniving jerks that are just making lots of money. That's not um, at all how it was presented to me. Uh, being a lawyer in my family was always something that was considered um, an opportunity to serve others and to um, help somebody who was down on their luck, um, advocate for somebody whose rights have been trampled. Um, it was such an admiration that I had for them. But anyway, so they, um, the top three siblings, everybody that was older than me, all went into law. And I just had a feeling it wasn't going to be for me. And uh, my mom's a nurse, and she had kind of opened that paradigm. Um But in high school, my dad had forgotten to tell all the other kids that there was such a program as being a United States Senate page. And so he only (laughs) remembered by child number four. This is a good reason to have lots of kids, guys. I'm going to endorse this. You don't remember to do all the things with each of the preceding children. But there's such a satisfaction that comes when you have a big family because there you you get to do so many different kinds of things that um you know just in case like if anybody's ever thinking hmm would i like a big family maybe you would and that's one of the reasons that makes it pretty awesome but anyway he remembered it for me and i remember him calling and being like hey there's this program where you get to go out and live in washington dc and you work in the united states capitol for a couple months and you you know deliver paperwork between the offices and you sit in the chamber and you bring them whatever they need and uh do you know anybody who'd be interested they have to be a high school junior and i was like oh well i was gonna say me but <laughs> maybe oh, yeah. i was like hmm i was like well maybe kelly or, or jenny might and he's like i'm being facetious which by the way is when i learned what the word facetious meant <laughs> and he's like i'm talking about you would you be interested so i got to go and spend two months living in washington dc literally like going to school in the library of congress attic and um then reporting for work by 8 a.m on the u.s senate floor and it was yeah incredible well so i i actually know somebody who did that same thing Mm -hmm. uh actually a a, uh 
Father uh, Patrick Bailey, who's Ooh. in the Milwaukee area, he was a page on the U.S. It's, Senate. And, it can uh, be incredible. Yeah, he has a joke that goes, uh, like, it's like, this is the, the um, like, the president's up here, you know, <laughs> yeah. you got, like, your senators, and then you got your congressmen and women, and then you have the chairs, mm-hmm. and then you have the grass, <laughs> and then the dirt <laughs> of Washington, D.C., and then there's the pages right below the dirt. <laughs> so, yeah. he's like, you're, it's a cool experience, but he's like, man, you're worked, you're worked he, oh, a lot. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I some fun stories. But, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so so what was funny is I only knew about Catholic University because one of the pages that I was friends with also went to Catholic University of America. And so when I was bemoaning, oh, and then like after freshman year, I went out and did an internship through Marquette University on Capitol Hill. And I just thought, man, I love it out here. I just want to be out here. Um, and what's what's interesting is like sometimes there will be opportunities in your life where um, you're not sure if it's the right thing to do, and I don't I don't know what the recipe is to have confidence in that other than to just like you got to pray, and you got to just follow whatever is deep within you, and I just felt like I was not supposed to stay in, at Creighton. So they told me my tr- my scholarships would transfer. They didn't. Um, I thought that you know I'd be able to um, get into med school. I didn't, <laughs> but. I also feel like that is the place where I know that God got my attention. And I feel like that's the place where um, he opened up a world to me that showed me that there's there's so much more that he wants for us mm. than we sometimes even know we can want for ourselves. And that is worth whatever. I don't mind having lost everything else. <laughs> and. And uh, what was that for you? Like, what was that that you realized that mm-hmm. you know, out there? Like, what 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 was it? For uh, you? Really simply, that he's real, mm-hmm. and that he wants to be a part of our lives, right? And that his love is overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And I feel like each of those three things can be simply like just an idea or just a thought, but each one of them is a super profound when it when it becomes real, when God becomes real and when God wants to be involved in your life and not just be some watchmaker God, that's night and day different. And I think when people can encounter that also in a way that helps them know that God is interested in their lives, in the details, and that he wants to provide he wants to provide for us. He wants to open doors for us. He wants us to experience life in the full. And I can't think of how it would compare. Human experience without a supernatural dimension can be incredible on its own. But human experience, when you couple it with an understanding of what it was meant to point to or remind us of or give us a little window into the fact that we are made for a relationship with like God and that he, I don't know, that we matter to him. Mm. I just think it's like so profound 
I don't know. Anyway, it was good enough for me. I, I changed my life around, you know. Mostly just my schedule. I wasn't really doing anything crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so what does that schedule become? Oh, definitely. I was like, yeah, okay. I did not. No. I graduated with biology pre-med, and I, okay. I, I listened to all the gospels that were read at church that were like, there's not enough workers in the vineyard. I'm like, don't worry, I'm on my way. And, you know, oh, they'll send you out like, Sheeps among wolves, and I'm like, don't worry, I am ready, <laughs> you know? So, but at the same time, um, what it looked like for me is it meant that Sunday took on a totally different character. I think time just takes on a different character, right? I, right? I feel like time that you used to use for whatever, and um, I mean, like, what's the center? Like, what's the, what's, what does everything revolve around? Pretty much whatever you want it to. Mm. But when God becomes so real that you feel like he's interacting in your daily life, then all of a sudden it starts to become more God-centric. So your time becomes God-centric. So Sunday is a non-negotiable. And then suddenly your friends are asking you to daily masses and you're going. And then you're liking it. And then, then what I think happens is it's like this slow unfolding of something, like like. You know how flowers unfold little by little by little, and then all of a sudden you've got this magnificent, beautiful thing in front of you. And I feel like if you let God in a little bit, I feel like he's going to just like show you little things. And I, I feel like the word I was taught in college is consolations, um, mm-hmm. that he gives you little signs, that encouragement. Um, and so anyway, I felt like every time... I did something like tried to go to church or tried to like learn more through like a prayer group. Oh my gosh, you guys, there were some bumps in the road. Okay, we're just going to take a slight detour and talk about showing up at women's group. All of the people there are amazing, just in case. Everybody there was amazing. (laughs) But I was not prepared for like guitars and singing. (laughs) And like I just showed up because that's, I thought it would be like a good thing for me to do. And all of a sudden we're singing Refiner's Fire like and I'm like, there's no song sheets. What? <laughs> oh, what is happening? Like, where do people I? know these songs? On yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, I didn't bring my guitar because I don't have one, <laughs> and I won't be getting one. But like, I just thought maybe this isn't where I need to be. But I will say this: sometimes if you stick it out, I feel like the conversations I had with those girls and like, um. The, the beauty that they modeled for me in terms of like the gentleness of their souls and the kindness um, and the openness to other people was so beautiful. Anyway, yeah, so yeah, so I felt like prayer takes up more time, a little bit, a little bit, you know. So, but anyway, so um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like also sort of what you spend your time doing changes. I feel like one of your podcasts, hmm, Maybe Roger Bondi mentioned he got a book about the consecration to St. Joseph. Yes, yeah, it was last week. Yep. And um, so interesting little fact. I just want to share this with you guys. So I never heard of adoration before and never had seen it. It just wasn't a part of the landscape in my previous Catholic experience. But my first ever exposure to adoration was literally four people in the Caldwell Chapel, and one of them was Father Don Calloway. Wow. It was when he was a seminarian. So in, in Washington, D.C. at Catholic U, 
tons of people send their like postulants or their people yeah. information to Catholic University. You see every habit under the sun walking around campus. It's not like it's a overwhelmingly Catholic culture, unfortunately. At the time, it was going through a transition, so it became a lot more Catholic in identity. But um, before that, it had been just kind of another college, uh, which happened to have graduate students floating around in all habits. But anyway, so Father Don Calloway was there. A really cool girl that ended up joining the Dominican Sisters in Nashville. Uh, and they were friends. And then our female campus minister... Uh, Therese Burnpole, who is like just the coolest lady I've ever met, and I love her. Um, the four of us, Therese is like, I'll just come over. We're just doing this thing. And I'm like, okay, I'll do anything as long as it's not illegal. Right. <laughs> like, I'll do this thing. <laughs> right? Very experimental uh, when it comes to religion. But anyway, so I went, and we go into this chapel, and it's dark, and I, they must have had permission, or maybe they were explaining what adoration is and that I should come because they had, they're they starting it on campus. I think that's what it was because it wasn't out. They were telling me this is their dream. This is what they want to do. And um, I was like, so wait, I don't get it. So they put the host out on the altar? Why? And for what? And they were like totally taking their time telling me all about it. And I'm like, gosh, it just... I mean, do people want to do that? It kind of sounds boring. Like, what do you do? And so, like, they totally were, like, assuring me, oh, once you do it, you're going to love it. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, mm, they don't know me. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm not going to love this. Well, fast forward, like, probably within three years, that chapel was, like, packed to the gills. We had amazing, nice. like, uh, music that the students did that was, like, up in the choir loft just drifting down over us. And um, every Wednesday night, so when you talk about what did it look like, every Wednesday night, it was, like, women's group beforehand, and then we'd go up to the chapel at 9. 9 to 10 was um, praise and worship, well, adoration. And then they would read a gospel, like, halfway through, give an outstanding inspired sermon and then like wrap it up with silence, a little bit of music. And then at 11, no, at 10, they like the three chaplains on campus were all sit down and do an hour's worth of confession. Mm. And the place was packed. When I came back two years later as a, um, like just a young adult in the area, people were kneeling on the carpeted stairs all the way out into like the rest of the building. Like they couldn't even see, they couldn't even be inside and they would still come wow. just to be, it was like electric on our campus. Like when, sometimes you go to something and you're like, I don't know about this. I say, just go ahead, just try it out and then look at the people around and be like, is this legit? Like are these people okay? Are they not okay? <laughs> they seem okay. And I feel like um, as a science person, I feel like sometimes the people around me just want proof, proof, proof. And I'm like, okay, I could like tell you about some videos about Eucharistic miracles, but I don't think you want proof. I don't know what to tell you. But sometimes I feel like if a soul is open to the possibility that there's got to be more than what we can see, which I think is a very reasonable assertion, then I think if you put out your feelers, you can feel when things are real. Mm. Yeah. So anyway. I don't know where that came from. So, oh, that's all good stuff. Yeah, that's a, that's incredible though. That you kind of were a part of that original. Like you were saying that the the father, yeah, father Don Calloway yeah, is he, like amazing. That they wanted like 
to start this on campus? It, it sounds like it wasn't a thing. It campus, was Saturday. not a thing, and it was the year that they changed chaplains. I mean, yeah. I could be wrong. This is the way I remember it. Um, but they were changing chaplains. They changed presidents. And the president, like when he gave his inaugural speech, he's a bishop now, David O'Connell, um, when he gave his inaugural address, by now I had had a year at Catholic U. And um, so now I was like in church whenever I was supposed to be at church. And they were, you know, installing this new president. So it was a big thing in like the shrine in D.C., like the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception, eighth largest church in the world, yeah. largest church in this hemisphere. Um was where they did all the things. So I showed up, I'm by myself, listening to like the president give a speech as he's being installed. Sounds kind of nerdy. Well, I would totally do it again. But anyway, I as he was giving the speech, I was like so moved. And he just like, I remember him saying like, w- you know, we have to reclaim this identity. We have to bring the light to the world that lives in darkness. We have to rage against the dying of the light. Well, I went to like the president's office because I wasn't nerdy enough just to show up. <laughs> I like went to the president's office and like talked to his secretary. This is like straight out of the playbook of Pat Dwayne, my dad. <laughs> like <laughs> this is how he taught us to act. So, oh, if you like something, you gotta go and find out. Like, well, I want a copy of that or whatever. So I show up, college kid in this office, president's office. And I'm like, I just attended um, the installation of President O'Connell, and I he said a couple of things I thought were really interesting i was just wondering if do you think i could leave my email address and maybe like if he's got a copy of that that he could email me i just love to have it she pulls out like a printed booklet from a box behind her like this was not a speech that was a small deal it was a big deal and like i was like oh she already thought of that they've got (laughs) like professionally printed copies all ready to go (laughs) and i was like wow i okay but it totally set the tone and there were a lot of things that happened on that campus and i will say i think that's a gift that not everybody will get to experience in their Mm -hmm. lifetime to be a part of like just a community coming alive Mm. And I think that'll never leave anybody that was on campus at that time. So like there's tons of us that have gone into ministry for the church. And there are people that are in religious vocations. There's people that are priests. There's pe- tons of people that work for parishes and dioceses and different um, organizations related to the church. I mean, we gra- I graduated in 2000 and we were part of the JP2, John Paul II generation. It was an incredible time. I felt like it was super amazing. It was a gift. So you leave, you graduated Catholic U. Yes. With um, so your pre-med stuff. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So how do you end up sure. in Where? church ministry from, from I that? was pretty certain that religion and like getting religion degrees was for people who were so lame they could not come up with another occupation. <laughs> I was I was humbled in a lot of ways, let's just put it that way. But I mean I remember like um being on the metro, which is like the subway in DC. Mm-hmm. And um before Therese got there, there was another guy who was the campus minister and I wasn't super active at the time, so I didn't know him very well. Um but he had convinced me to like come on some service thing. I was like, Yeah, no problem, I'll go, whatever. And so we're on the metro and I'm looking at him like, So is this like your job? And he's like, Yeah, this is my job and I'm like is it like full time? And he's like, yes. And I'm like, oh, did you go to school for it? And he's like, uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm like, 
does anybody else do this kind of work? Like, I'm not familiar at all. No, I'm the only one. Right? And he's like, yeah, no, it's it's a thing. And I'm like, huh. And they pay you? to do, What do you do? And he's like, okay, well. You know, and he explains it. And I just thought to myself, like, hmm, interesting. <laughs> like, I'll be a doctor someday. But what a nice little thing to do for the world. So anyway, I... um. I, it's funny how God leads us leads us on paths. I totally thought I was can you know called to this um, this vocation to protect and serve life and um, and so I studied my little brains out and I tried really hard. I gave, like we said earlier, never watch Friends, never watch Seinfeld. Too busy studying, and so like there was a lot that I missed out on. But I also feel like um, when it came time to get into med school or not get into med school. Um, it was like, oh, my prayer life was in like the best shape it had ever been. Like if you compare it to like training and working out, I'd have been in like tip top shape guys. <laughs> so like I was praying rosaries like multiple times a day and I had been using, um, the, uh, rosary that my grandma Duane had given me for first communion. And I remember, um, when we didn't like nobody in our program except for two people, I'm like, eh, 15. It was not a big program. Got into med school the first time. Our applications had got totally screwed up by the school. We were a pontifical university. It's a long story. The rugby team got in trouble. <laughs> the Pope called like the chancellor to Rome to answer for all the scandal. And he didn't send in our letters of recommendation. This is what we believe to be the case. Maybe we just all sucked. I don't know. But anyway, our applications didn't go through and nobody got into med school. And I was like, oh, my God like now I'm gonna like what what am I gonna do for a year so we all got jobs like at local hospitals and stuff so I worked in clinical oncology research and I was the last one to get there so I got the admin position and the other guys got to do like um consenting patients for studies and so they let me do it a couple of times but anyway not the point um but at the end of that year when I started getting like letters back um I think it was like right after I took the MCAT I go, like, I'm just hopping around my apartment, open the dryer, and, like, the three beads and the cross from my rosary were, like, hanging caught in the little thing. It had all been ripped apart in the in the oh. dryer. I had left <laughs> it in my pocket. Oh, and I just remember feeling, like, the weight of what a bad omen this is probably going to be. And because I had also learned that you don't pray for a specific thing. You pray for God's will to be done in your life. And I just had this moment of, like, heavy like hurt on my heart that I was like I feel like my dream is not this is not going to happen something's something's in the wood pile here and so um I'm not saying that it wasn't ordained and that's why I'm not a doctor but anyway I'm not a doctor <laughs> and so um I was super crushed I've never been more crushed by anything in my life and um while I was like resorting my plans and trying to strategize, how are they? How am I going to tell them I'm so amazing and they need me? Um, I ran into this girl from my original women's group on campus who um, was just a quiet, nice person. And I ran into her and I was like, hey, what's going on? Like, why are you still around? She's like, why? I'm getting my master's degree in theology. I'm like, oh, that's so interesting. Huh. That's a thing, huh? And she's like, yeah, it's a thing. And I'm like, interesting. So where do you, like, where are your classes? 
And she's like, well, I go to the John Paul II Institute of Studies on Marriage and Family. And I'm like, whoa, what is that? Because like, I love John Paul II. Right. He's why I want to do what I want to do. And she's like, well, it's like right across the street. We get to have classes in the Dominican House of Studies. And I'm like, <gasps> I want to go into there. I want to be in that House of Studies. Like, it was a like huge, old, totally traditional looking like, intriguing building across the street from our campus and we'd gone to daily masses there a bunch they had the best wine i was like is this even legit it's white (laughs) you know but anyway that i didn't mean that to sound like terrible but somebody told me it's okay to ask questions about stuff like that because you might want to suggest it to your parish priest i don't know anyway so um but it was like a super cool place to go to um daily mass and then I was like, what? You can go to school for those kind of classes and you get to do it in that building? They're so quiet. What if I could get in there? You know? So then I thought, well, I'll just take a couple classes and then we'll see what happens. And so I got a full ride scholarship from the Knights of Columbus because. Yeet. Nice. Yes. Right the night, you guys. Okay. We maybe maybe right, that's right right here i know maybe yeah. that's another topic for another time because i don't think people realize all the good stuff that knights of columbus like grand scale local they do amazing things yeah. they support sure. marriage and family in an enormous way so they also are huge supporters of the institute where i ended up getting my master's from and so i ended up going to school there and i thought it would just like hold me over till i could apply to schools again or whatever and um, the whole time I'm trying to talk to the dean about like what classes I could take, I'm pretty much just, I just want this one and I just want that one. You know, theology of the body and ethics or whatever. And he's like, mm, we really recommend that you take these extra, you know, these foundational theology classes. I'm like, uh-huh. I, yes, that sounds marvelous. I think I don't need those ones. I just want this one and this one. So anyway, he convinced me for the, if you did the full ride scholarship, you had to take like the the standard slate. I did. And within like two weeks, I was like, screw this. I'm doing this forever. Like, it's so beautiful. And I feel like um, when I when I think about like what like God wants to share with people that they don't even know exists, like there's so much beauty in human relationship there's so much beauty in how marriage can be lived out i'm not perfect just everybody make sure i'm not even <laughs> close i don't want to like claim claim anything like that but i think to even have an idea of what you could strive for is inspirational and i think um like there is an incredible amount of beauty in the teaching of the church on this and it's super misunderstood yeah and I feel like God used that um, science background of mine to help me understand it in a different way, to be able to speak to people about it in a different way. Because I ended up loving like natural family planning, and I have taught that for years. I'm not really it's good stuff. It's, a, it's, a, it's, good it's stuff. amazing. Yeah, it's good stuff. yeah. and I kind of really appreciate it a lot when we went through like marriage prep and like learning all about it. It's yeah, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, and that just give you the the crash course. Yeah. When you yeah. go to, did you guys do the multiple we did the days? Day. Did the, yeah, we did that uh, the extra day to like learn about. Oh, it. part two. Yeah, we did the part two. Yeah, they did yeah. like we that's went, supposed to be mandatory for everybody, but priests keep saying it's like optional. Not ours, not our priests, right. but our we went. We, we went. Amazing. <laughs> we did the retreat option. Yeah. Um, 
And yeah, they, they only gave us like a crash course in theology of the body, and I had to do a lot of my own research um, and ask my wife a lot of questions because she's no she knows more than I do. You know, she's um, got. She's a, one of those people that went into you know theology. Or <laughs> yeah, I, you guys like isn't degree, God so funny? Like, give me a break, Diane, you idiot. Her degree is in English, though. No, right? Yeah, she has a minor in theology. Right. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like. Like I have my bachelor's degrees in mathematics, but I have a minor in education. <laughs> right. And I have a actually I don't have a teaching certificate anymore. Right. I uh, it it expired. I didn't yeah. I didn't renew it because I knew I would never I'm never right. going back. Right. Another thing too I caught Diane was like you said that you had ran into this girl from yeah the women's group yeah okay? so I'm thinking back I'm like. What you had said earlier, like you were like, I don't know about this woman's group. Yeah. But you kept going. Oh yeah. And I I always say to people, I think that everyone that's put into our lives are there for yes. a reason, whether we know it or yes. not. Yes. But like imagine if you had just like willingly stopped going to the mm-hmm. women's group. Yeah. And you bump you wouldn't have like recognized this lady in the street. Yeah. And you would have never had that conversation. Mm-hmm. It's just like one of those cool things that I like to think about. Like if I if this hadn't happened what would life look like for me? And maybe maybe God would have still right. steered you back onto that track that he mm-hmm. was always planning on, but it, it may look different. Absolutely. It may look a little different. I, I 100% agree with that, and I also feel like um, he, I do think that he will steer us back in that way, but why take the long way? Like, be receptive to things. Right. Um, so th- she and a couple of the girls in that group, I think were the ones that convinced me to go on some retreat and I hate to say it, but it was not my favorite retreat and it had like music that was not my favorite music and stuff, but it is where God spoke to me. And, um, like I was being all snarky with him a little bit, like, Oh, now's the time to go take your Bibles and have some quiet time and journal. And I'm like, Oh, okay guys. All right. I got this under control. You know, God and I are fine. And then I'm like, go sit by the river and I'm like, all right, God, do you want to, I mean, like, can you even imagine what, like, a, like, snarky little girl, and I feel like still, he is so patient with us that he'll work through that. So this girl ends up inviting me to this retreat. I go on this retreat, doing my little snarky fit on the afternoon, like, let's go read your Bible and journal or something. I'm sitting over there, and I'm like, okay, God, if you want to talk to me, go right ahead. Why don't you send the wind to just, like, move the pages, and I'm sure you'll probably, I mean, like. I shudder at the thought of how I spoke to him. And at the same time, what happens? The wind came whipping through, and I'm like, wow, that's so dramatic. I'm going to put my finger here, and I'm going to see that you're talking to me. I mean, my kids sometimes cop that attitude with me. It infuriates me. Thank God God is not the same. So, like, he's so good. I, like, look down. It could have been some random thing from judges or, who you know, numbers. It was um, the reading that they use like every Ash Wednesday. Mm, like now is an yeah. acceptable time. Come back to me with all your heart. I was like, what? Okay, mistake, mistake. <laughs> Cut it. it was random. And it's not random. Like mm-hmm. I really believe that that was like God being very crystal clear. And it definitely was just really cool. <laughs> you asked him for the wind. He's just like, here's a mirror. Yeah, right. <laughs> why, don't you, why don't we play this back for five seconds? Yeah, yeah, and it's so that's so cool how sometimes God, 
just humbles us. Yes. Like yep. that, I remember, um, I think we were Life Teen or Edge or something. One of the, one of the Faith Formation, cla- or not classes, but nights, we had adoration. And I, mean, I love adoration, especially when it's silent. Um, I've spoken before about how much I like silence. That's my prayer mode. Um, and I remember like sitting, sitting there, this is at the Wallow site and sitting there and just like looking at the monstrance and I don't know what was going on. I think I was maybe going through a small spiritual desert at the time um, where, you know, you're, you're, you're unsure if anybody's listening or you're not hearing anything from God, you know, just, it happens. I, it happens a lot, uh, to everybody. Um, and I was just like, I remember just praying and just saying like, God, I want, like, I want to be able to see you. Like, why mm-hmm. can't I, why can't I see you? And I just remember like repeating that, repeating that, repeating that. And I, cause I'm like, I'm looking at the monstrous Jesus, but I don't like, I don't like see you. Like, I want to be able to like see you. And I hear very clearly, um, in my, cause you know, there's typically a difference, you know, when we're kind of in tune, um, with with the spirit, you know, we can I could typically tell if something's coming from my mind or mm-hmm. my you mm-hmm. know it's coming from nowhere because you know sometimes like in your you know just something pops up you're like I have no idea that got there but this is to my benefit so it must have been the spirit. Um, I just remember hearing very clearly in my heart, um, I'm right here. Can't you see me? And it was just like, it was just one of those like, just so cool. gut punches. Yeah. It's like, yeah, Jesus is in front of me right now in the, in yeah. the blessed sacrament. And here I am like waiting for this grand yeah. gesture. I, I, it also kind of reminds me, I don't know, remember who it was from, but uh, it was probably Father Mike Schmitz. <laughs> yeah. Father Mike. I'm pause, seeing a pattern. Uh, pause our show. Love or Father Mike Look him yeah. up. Um, <laughs> yeah, look him up sometime. He's got this great YouTube series got this great podcast called the bible in the year podcast listen to it or even yeah. any of his seek talks too yeah. those are good yeah, too they're just phenomenal yeah or just his youtube I, hey, his youtube channel is great too like he just has some youtube videos yeah i also father mike schmitz they're yeah. gonna be doing a um catechism in a year yeah yep um nice. that's exciting but anyway nice. um <laughs> that like we when we look at the eucharist and like god is present in his you know Fully present, body, blood, soul, and divinity. Um, and we, as Catholics sometimes, can look at that and be like, let's just like, it's, it. why can't we see like something bigger, like a, like a grander gesture? And if God was actually in the monster, well, he is, but if he was in the monster showing his full glory, you'd be on a, you'd be afraid. Mm. You wouldn't even go to the church because you wouldn't, you would be too afraid to be in his presence. And he humbles himself in a consecrated host in the monstrance that we are unafraid to approach him. That's beautiful. Mm. And that actually might have been, yeah, I, probably Father Meshmitz. <laughs> <laughs> probably. <laughs> so, is um, so you got your you have your masters in theology. I do, I do. Yep. And so I got my masters, and it's. So the John Paul II Institute of Studies has campuses around the world, um, and the one in the United States is in Washington, D.C. And um, 
the degree is in studies for marriage and family. Uh, so we took things like, you know, um, scripture, uh, foundational theology, but we also studied things like, um, there's a document called The Splendor of Truth uh, by John Paul II, which um, is an expanded reflection basically on the story of the rich young man. You know, like what does it take to live life well? You know, um, how do we follow Christ? So there's like a whole class that I got. To, I mean, like the whole thing, you guys, everybody, check them out. Send whoever is available for studies right now. <laughs> like it is the most incredible experience I've ever had in my life. And I spent three years there. Um, a lot of master's degree programs are like one year. Theirs is a solid two. And um, I started working in the campus ministry office at Catholic U my second year. So I slowed my studies down and spread them out over two years extra instead of one year. And um, that was beautiful. I loved my two years of working at Catholic University in the campus ministry office. We had the best Franciscan friars that were um, our priests. And it was like three of them and one of me. And it was total gift. And then we had this amazing um, program in motion that uh, had started my sophomore year. And then so I got to do like women's group and lead women's groups. We did theology of the body. Oh my gosh. And the girls were so great. Sometimes they'd come in as freshmen. They're like, I think this is going to be really stupid. I just feel like I want you to know I don't really believe in this stuff. I'm like, totally cool. Just sit down. Okay. Like, <laughs> yeah. But sit I mean, <laughs> in a great way. Now this girl who said this has like the most gorgeous family in the world. And like, she is incredible. And so, like, in a, a shout out there to Alicia. But anyway, um, but yeah, so we did like women's ministry, and um, and then we'd go like up to uh, Adoration, which was in the same building. We went from the basement like up to the chapel. Incredible. I mean, like, I don't know if you can afford it, send your kids out there. It's like cool. It's just great. <laughs> I loved Catholic U as well as my JP too. So and and then like the other courses, the big courses that I loved at the John Paul II Institute were. Um, the New Evangelization taught by David Schindler. Holy Moses, like he's the best. Things I learned in that class were like um, Amer the, the American mindset is so obsessed with busyness. And I'm like, yes, it is. I'm so much a product of this. And he tried so hard to like help us see that this is not the Catholic way. And so um, he always kind of divided things into like the Marian way and the Petrine way the active and the contemplative. So Mary would go with like the more contemplative dimension of life and Peter or like the Petrine arm of things would be that that's kind of like more active and out in the world. And so many times people will have both in their life, but everything in our church's belief really says that it should be a wellspring coming from, like we should let the Marian dimension become fruitful in our lives before we rush off to do the petrine things mm -hmm. and that was mm -hmm. that was hard for me and still i think is a struggle if people are honest with themselves i think that's not always where everybody's at um but like the 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 dichotomy of doing versus being um and just you know trying to undo all of the uh they call it Protestant ethic, but like I'm cool with everybody who loves Jesus. So I just want everybody to know, like, it's just how America was founded on such efficiency, you know, and mm -hmm. that was like a very high value among 
many of the mainline Protestant denominations at the time. So I think all of us are guilty of that. But that was a cool class, Theology of the Body. Also, um, I think it was like Psychology and Neurobiology of Gender. Mind-blowing. Yo. Yeah. And that was something that the professors came in by train from New York City to teach every week. And that was um, two Catholic counselors, uh, Paul Vitz and Phil Mango, up in New York City. Amazing people. And their their experience and their practice was invaluable. Um, I think I think that's a layer of life that's super complicated and very um, fraught with uh, just hardship and frustration and uh, a lot of feelings and emotions wrapped into all those kind of issues. So none of that is light to handle, but it was very eye opening to have that kind of class. So then there was philosophy, but I did not like that. I did not like that at all. <laughs> I did not like it. Um, so anyway. That's a, a neuro, what'd you say it was? Neuro, neurobiology. Neurobiology. Mm-hmm. So like dealing with identity. Yeah, and also like Ish-ish. a little bit, well, a little bit. A lot of, um, some of it had to do with like um, brain chemicals. So brain chemistry and how do we re- respond to things and like how does our psychology interact with our hormones and how does, mm, yeah. um you know, that's like the chemistry of people is really complicated. Um, probably my favorite project I ever worked on in, in school was a paper for Theology of the Body with Mary Shivanandan, and she she l- loved it, but it was like, I feel like I could have done a better job, but I was a little busy and I didn't give it my 100%. <laughs> but anyway, it was on the how the two become one and like the physiological like the brain chemistry of what happens when you cross the threshold of intimacy Mm, um and how like that bonding is super duper real and like in the catholic world this people have not brought that research together with catholic church's teaching and all i want to do is like stand on a soapbox and like shout to the world like we're not trying to be jerks like (laughs) this is like incredibly deeply written into who we are as like biological people that crossing that threshold of intimacy um, where you unite two bodies together was designed to give you a lasting bond. And um, that's a really cool, that was a really cool project to work on. Um, I actually, one of my other classmates ended up working for the National Catholic Bioethics Center in Philadelphia, and she was like, can you redo that paper for an article? We do like a newsletter out to priests and parish people. And I was like, cool, that sounds amazing. <laughs> Let's do it. So it ended up being like cut, 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 cut. Like here's like a, a short little snippet. And then um, when I lived in Syracuse, I was talking to the abstinence coordinator there, and we got on this topic one time, and I was so excited. She's like, you've got to read this article I have. I'm going to bring it for you. And it was my article. (laughs) I wrote that. I know. And like, okay, I shouldn't probably get into it. But anyway, like if if you wanted to know something like that, like makes my day, um, there are some people in my life who I would consider like spiritual heroes of mine that are like living. Helen Alvary would be one. Um, Janet Smith back when I was a student like did some incredible things about why I know people don't love to hear this but like why should we think about the issue of natural family planning and contraception and is it possible that maybe the answer that our culture is giving us is not something that's really helping out 
as much as we think. And I loved her work on it. Anyway, when I searched my name on uh, Google one time, just to like, because I was getting a job and I just wanted to see what was out there, it showed up that she, Janet Smith, had my article on her syllabus wow. at the Sacred Heart Seminary in oh, Michigan. Oh, that's awesome. I was awesome. like, oh my gosh. There's your claim. Nothing else needs to happen yeah. in my life. Yeah. It's like the one and only project I've ever done that like, mm. I really just, I felt was so important because it hasn't been shown. It's not rocket science. It's all there. Mm-hmm. Like somebody out there who's got time, quick, go and get your studies on and like go write and publish more about it because it's important. I... I really, um, I really love the the teaching of the theology of the body mm-hmm. because it it really does deepen when you understand theology of the body. It deepens, and I'm sure you can attest yeah. to this, John. I'm sure you can attest to this too. It deepens your marriage, a hundred percent. It really does, um, because when you're talking about the the bonding that happens mm-hmm. with a husband and a wife, when you know you uh, nicely call it yeah. like crossing the threshold sure. of intimacy, right? right. Um, I think seven-year-olds might be listening to the podcast. I don't <laughs> right, know. Right, yeah, <laughs> I think I heard. I think it was you who was talking about this. Maybe at a one of the Q and A sessions mm-hmm. we had with the Life Teen Kids or something. Mm-hmm. Um, how it, that bonding is like taking two pieces of paper and mm-hmm. gluing them together. Yeah. Um, and then when you break up with that person, mm-hmm. because um, that act is not in the in the context of marriage or. Mm-hmm. Um, and marriage is a covenant that only ends in death. So, like, mm-hmm. um, it's trying to take those pieces of paper apart. Yeah. And you can do it, mm-hmm. but it's really hard for those pieces of paper to glue again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it might have been a duct tape analogy. Or I, I kind of... I've used the, the, the paper? paper and glue. I, I think the paper is good before. because then the part of the paper um, might stick to the other paper right. and never come back. And that's actually mm-hmm. legit. Right. Use that. So, like... Yeah, I've used um, that in retreats before. Mm-hmm. You know... I, it, 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 it deepens your understanding of how important it is um, to really understand what intimacy is supposed to be. Yeah. And what we were created for in yeah. the context of, of intimacy through man and woman, right? Um, because if, if you take the world's view... Mm-hmm. It just kind of intimacy is like a recreational. It's it's a recreational yeah. thing because we, and I think there are a lot of groups that are super, super guilty of this. Mm-hmm. That we've broken down this the the intimacy to love. Mm-hmm. If you love someone, you sleep with them, mm-hmm. and because that's the lowest form of love according yep. to the Greeks, right? Um, Eros. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. So like. That puppy dog kind of love, that mm-hmm. physical infatuation, like, infatuation, yeah. or um, where lust comes from. Um, that's that's love. So like, if you don't want me to sleep with my boyfriend or or my girlfriend, like we love each other. Like, why can't we do this? Mm-hmm. Um, it's because it a you've always got a way out if you're not married. Yeah, if that back door is always open or whatever, you can just like leave. Yeah. Um, but that physical ne- connection still happens. That bonding still happens. And, and oh, yeah, yeah. So um, the world tells us that that is love. And if anybody stops you from trying to sleep with whoever you want, they're telling you you can't love them. Right. And it it's such a distortion of like what love the fullness that of love we're really be. called to mm-hmm. is 
the sacrificial love of agape. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is that what of, you're getting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Of Jesus on the cross. Because I was talking um, with uh, we were talking with our in laws last night um, about sometimes when we have the Ephesians reading. Mm-hmm. And we all know which reading I'm talking Ephesians about. Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5. <laughs> yep. We always tend to sometimes use the shorter form right. because it doesn't use the verb or it doesn't Sub- use the words, why is be submissive to your husband? Yeah. Because nobody knows what the word submissive means. Yeah. Um, it's a, I think the right the translation goal. is subject. Be subject yeah, to, like to have which the is same different goal. than submissive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, so people get really upset about this. It's like, oh, Women shouldn't be under their husbands. Mm-hmm. Men get wait, wait for it. <laughs> men get the tougher end of that yes. deal because to the point of death. Literally after that, mm-hmm. Paul Paul is saying that husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. Yeah, and Christ loved the church on the cross. <laughs> yeah, sacrificing innocently. Right, sacrifice to to death. Yeah, Sacri- that death to self. That has to be the love that you must have for your spouse if you're if you're a man. That's your group. That's what St. Paul calls us to. And that sounds a little rougher <laughs> than than um yeah. then, having the same goal or why is being submissive to your husband's yeah. because um and I and I tell the kids that we have who are girls and I, I think we've even told some of our friends this, like if he's not willing yeah. to go to the cross for you. He's not it. Move on. Mm. He's yeah. not it. It's not like he's not there yet, or, or yeah. your relationship isn't there yet. Whatever, fine. Like no one, no guy like from the get go is going to be sure. like, oh yeah, I'll get in the cross for you. Like, <laughs> I'd like that's, to test the waters that's first. The, <laughs> that's the love that we make a covenant for. Yeah. In the sacrament of marriage. Yeah. And how like, cool is that? And it, that's even more deepened in an understanding of theology of the body. Right. Because you're giving of yourself fully, totally, <clears throat> with nothing held back, like, you know, quote unquote, no way out, right? Yeah. That that you've made this commitment till till death, that everything you have is your spouse's. Yeah. And everything that they have is is yours. And there's such a such a beauty to that that's just like lost in our current culture. Cause it's just it's just so it's so vapid and boring. It it yeah. is boring. That's boring. Well, I mean. yeah, yeah. I, I also with that reading, and I and I can't remember which priest it was um, over the years, but I've I've heard someone describe that reading also in a way of it's like, okay, submit your submit yourself, okay, but it says only submit yourself to when this level is reached. So it's ever saying like women. You are on this pedestal. Mm-hmm. Only come off that pedestal when that man that you want to be with is willing to die for you. <laughs> so it's sort of like you are up here. You're on the highest level. And you should only come off of that when you find a man who's willing to die for you. So yeah. it's sort of like I, I look at it as like, like women are way better than men and they oh. can only put themselves down when it's true when it's true yeah no it's our true. lives are way better than no, men. no no for sure it's and it's only only lower yourselves to the level of men when that man is willing to die for you yeah like that is when you should lower yourself which so, yeah so as and, a woman yeah. in, in a world where this gets spoken about and like it can be 
hard to like hear those kinds of words because if oh, you're brought yeah. up in a way that like has empowered you and empowered right. you and then right. you hear that and you're like, hey. but yeah. we've lost. Okay, so here's what I had this epiphany one time at school and they were debating hotly like women priests and why this is not a thing. And like they were, the professors were just really trying to like make the case. And, and in a lot of ways, um, I, people were on board but here's what needs to be in place, I think, before that vision can be fully appreciated. If a woman is in a marriage with a man where that level has been reached that you were talking about, where that man fully respects her, desires nothing but her best for her, and who will take care of her and who will listen mm. to her and take all of that into consideration and anything he would ever recommend for her or want to do for her. When you are so absolutely wonderfully fully loved by somebody, you don't have the question in the back of your head of will this person do something good for me? Because you have gotten to a place where you implicitly love each other and you trust each other intensely. And I feel like we are living in a fractured world where that trust has been broken. We've seen each other yeah. not at our best. Yeah. Sometimes we're selfish. That's when one of the parties will pull back and be afraid that the other person will not, in their decision, account for mm-hmm. whatever. I think it's sort of similar with like the priesthood. The priests have been humans. And so like um, in this particular example, there was a situation where the woman was debating it because she said, you don't know what a mess I've seen at our parish. Like he should not be in charge of all the decision making. But I don't know if like, this is another talk for another day, maybe guys. But um, so like the way God envisioned us to live is not how we're living. And so the fullness of community and cooperation and well-being that can be had when everybody's working in harmony is not what's going on. And so when somebody, let, let's say a priest, doesn't exercise their office, their vocation, in a way that takes other people into account at the level they feel they need to be, when fear exists, then they, then they are in tension with each other rather than this trust. Mm. But if you have an amazing priest who is like, totally, you, you love everything about what he's trying to bring people towards, and you're inspired, and you're like set on fire when they preach. Like, do you hesitate and do you want to like counter and you're like, no, no, no I'll, I'll do a better job. You know what I mean? Like when somebody is living fullness, you don't need to eclipse it. Mm. Um, and I think it's tricky to make decisions that like short circuit that um, with women and men or with lay people and priests i think it just gets so i just want to make the case for when god's love is shown the way it should be in its fullness through these people no problem Mm. i think anyway whatever (laughs) i don't know so you have your you got your masters yep um how do you go how do you like get from like having your masters in to you're in, I know you were in New York for a while. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How do you get back to Banatowoc? Yep. So, um, hot off the press, <laughs> I took my little m- 
degree up to Cooperstown, which is like uh, Cooperstown, New York. Yeah. Which is, Hall yes. Baseball, Baseball Hall of Fame. Yeah. Yes. Place. Oh my gosh. So it's on yeah. Main Street. Yeah. And um, we lived several blocks away on Main Street. And that's, uh, cool. that's where we spent the first two years of our marriage. So we got married the summer after I graduated. We moved up to New York. He, uh, Greg worked on his master's degree, which is in museum studies. And they've got an amazing program in Cooperstown. Um, an amazing museum there. He got to intern there. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So you chat with him about yes, it. Yes, <laughs> 100%. And so um, I, I worked as an ecumenical youth group leader there just because apparently the house we moved into, this is kind of like a work of God, um, was saving an apartment. It's like a three-story Victorian house. And I'm just like Diane, and I'm making conversation as we're signing our lease. And I'm like, so I, I see that like the first floor is open. Do you guys have anybody moving in? Or you know, are you looking for somebody? And they're like, oh, we're saving it for our youth minister. And I'm like, oh. A town this size as a youth minister? I was going to apply at the grocery store. Dang, you know? Oh, so I'm like, oh, that's wonderful. When are they moving in? And you know, he's like, oh, we don't have one yet. But if you know anybody, let me know. And I'm like, <laughs> hang well, on. Hello. <laughs> I, I've done some ministry before. <laughs> I can maybe do this. So anyway, that was fun. Ecumenical, very cool. So um, Episcopalian uh, and... Presbyterian and Catholic churches and then like the whole community supported this youth group like they raised the money they were the board of directors it was really cool even some Jewish kids and like sometimes they'd be like oh yeah yeah we don't have to come tonight because like we're Jewish and I'm like it's the Ten Commandments you can be there come on guys there's nothing else to do in this village just come on get over here so anyway um then at the end of the two years we were able to have a family because he was out of school so we had Catherine like that June and um God's so funny. I think he knows me. And so like he like totally uprooted me from anybody I knew when I got married and like planted me in some obscure village where like there were only 15 people in like a 10 year span close to my age. And so um, so it was like all about Greg and I. And it was beautiful and wonderful and blessed. And then um, at, when we moved to Syracuse and he got a job uh, starting the Stickley uh, Museum then I had Catherine and I was at home and I stayed home for seven years and I loved it. Um, but we lived in Syracuse for five years. And so um, during that point, I ran into like super great Catholic women who just were amazing mentors to me. And like they were so active in quarterly breakfasts and speakers and, <laughs> you know, Bible groups and whatever. It was just like so much fun, a glass of wine here and there. It was like great. So then... Um, when we okay, so all this time I'm secretly praying. Like I'm not secretly praying. I am like <laughs> you advertising to Greg and the whole world. Like if everybody could help me pray my way back to Wisconsin, specifically Manitowoc. I just need to be at my home parish. I need to be in my home schools. And I thought for sure like it would never happen because Greg ended up going to school for museums, and I wasn't really sure if like the timing would ever work out that there would be an opening. Sometimes people do jobs for decades and and it worked out like our daughter did two weeks of kindergarten at a school in Syracuse and then we were able to move here it was incredible um and so then I came here and I think two years after we got here we had like four kids by then and then it was kind of like time to maybe try to you know make a little money <laughs> so <laughs> so um I mean I had been kind of busy like volunteering and doing a lot of things you know I don't know. Like when I was in <laughs> Syracuse, I don't know. Like we were like starting women's conferences for like hundreds of women and 
like doing the registration from my house, you know. So Greg's like, maybe you could just, you know, look into ministry as a part-time gig. And I'm like, yes, maybe. And I was like, they'll never need what I can do. And then I remember being at um, the parish had a baseball team, the Franciscan Friars, which I think you guys had resurrected, yeah, yeah. right? What, what a great for name. For a whole, whole year. For a whole, whole year, summer. yeah. And then I, we lost yeah. a lot of our team. Yeah. It's, like, yeah, it's hard. You got you have AC, You can do some damage to your knees and stuff, so be careful. You I, know? Mean, I got bruised pretty bad. Yeah. Time. Yeah. 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 With every fun. year that passes, fun. it's more. It was yeah, super yeah. fun. Time. And so the, the younger it's priest at the time had told me, in conversation like yeah we're gonna hire like a family ministry coordinator at the parish and i'm like oh what wait what i'm looking for a job did you just say you're looking to hire a part-time family ministry that can't be right i i think you misheard what happened at the me that doesn't they're, they're not gonna do that and he's like no i'm pretty sure it's a big deal they had like a retreat for the staff and everybody says they need to focus on families i'm like oh my good gravy so like I know a thing or two. Yeah, so I was so blessed <laughs> that they let me come on staff and and try to help out. So that is how I ended up here. That is how I ended up wow. doing what I do. Very lucky. Yeah, to yeah. have you on. Oh, I thought you were saying I was no. very lucky to get a job like that because no. I do feel well, like that. I mean, <laughs> well, that too. But no, we're extremely blessed as a parish to have you in in this ministry because you're so knowledgeable, but all and combine combined with the the passion. I think uh, when I watch you or listen to you talk about it, it's like I just zone everything out because I'm like, this is cool. Oh, that's God then. I feel like, isn't that cool how he uses people? Because I think me just talking about stuff would be boring. But like, Uh, he sets our hearts on fire. And then like cool things happen. I feel like, man, if people only knew how good it felt to have their hearts like burn within them. Do you know what I mean? Like that reading where uh, like the two guys on the road to Emmaus, mm, like when yeah. they finally realize it was Jesus and they, they like say to each other, we're not our hearts burning within us. Mm. I'm always like, Dude, yeah. that's amazing. Yes, <laughs> guys, let's set it on fire. So anyway, yeah, it's cool. It's, it's a wonderful work. And actually, I think there's tons of stuff people could get involved with or like, it's funny. I don't think you have to have a master's degree to do like, ministry work you do not he called fishermen people come on like he will plant the seed in people's hearts and he will open little doors and if they say yes to little doors and just like yes to his will for them he needs people to bring other people to a remembrance Mm. that they are made to love one another and to help one another and that is that is all our work is about yeah and if people want to help people remember that that's just say Lord, use me. There's so many different ministries, and uh, we're lo- we're lucky to be a, a, a parish of a decent size yeah. where we do have so many ministries. And this isn't like an advertisement, you know. Like, right. I'm gonna drop all these ministries you get involved in, but it's true. If you if you feel <laughs> that calling, you know that burn. I think in that's your a heart, real thing. You know, it, it, it's you know we're lucky to, in the parish to have a lot of different opportunities, and I, I truly do think there's a ministry or something for everybody. Um, and it probably exists. And if it doesn't exist, mm-hmm. then maybe if you feel called to starting it, mm-hmm. you know, there's always there's always ways to, that we can grow as a community. And uh, if you've thought about it, somebody else probably also has. Yeah. You know, somebody else has as well. So, yeah. Like a podcast. Like a podcast. Yeah. That's Here awesome. Here we are. 
Or buy that coffee shop you guys talked about. I think that'd be actually. Um, <laughs> we Father Doug's homily on on Sunday night and six at the six thirty mass um, was about like the community and I, I forget what it what it was, but it was like um, the building of community was like why churches had bars mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. the basement. Yeah, and like and then he kind of alluded to like that was kind of like you know, and I'm like thinking I'm like. We should do that. And I turned around to uh, uh, to Will and Brandon. Shout out, Will and Brandon. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, "No, nah, we should have, We should bring it back." Um, <laughs> it I, be fun. <laughs> I really like when when you guys talked about that um, on, on one of your episodes. I I was thinking like, man, that would actually be amazing. We have so many people who desire community, but the rules of our society, like the unwritten rules are so rigid and so like structured and premeditated for that nobody's got the time. I feel like that's the devil's trick to not have us be mm. in community with one another. Mm, yeah. If it has to be scripted, it's too complicated. And so people, when you said like you love the idea of people just stopping by your house, I was like, oh, I didn't know that. I'll come by. Wait, no, I won't have got kids. Anyway, but but like people should just stop by to their like friends and their neighbors. Um there was like somebody that was really big talking about how um, like hospitality does not have to be like polished. In fact, like your average household in whatever shape it's in is actually a more beautiful form of hospitality mm. to just be humble and to be real and to just welcome a neighbor, welcome a mm. friend and invite and encourage little popovers <clears throat> would be awesome. I just think that that's like a really beautiful part of community that if we could get away from the scriptedness of it, that'd be amazing. I, yeah. I think very often I, I, there are definitely some challenges that come along with organizing things in a, in a parish of our size. Sometimes we like to worry too much about how far it has to be planned in advance. Mm-hmm. Um, you're my wife. Mm-hmm. You know, she's, she's amazing. Does she, amazing things. Agreed. Like amazing things, beautiful. Really, really, like I can't imagine how much time. Like she's very efficient, but even her at her most efficient, she's got to spend tons of time. Like, she, it, you know, yeah, it's, it's there's some nights where I'm just like, I have no idea how you pulled this off in yeah. any way, shape, or form. But she'll like have a spontaneous idea, mm-hmm. and you've been a part of a lot of those spontaneous yeah. ideas because you guys are on the same team. Mm-hmm. Where she'll just have a spontaneous idea and she'll run with it. Yeah. And sometimes she'll run into like blocks. It's like, well, this wasn't planned. Mm-hmm. Well, but but are we are we going to advertise this? Like, what's going on? Like, there's, like, where is this going to happen? Right. A, a week? What we need more than some of the greatest. And I'm sure you know you, we've mm-hmm. all been to college. Like, the greatest conversations, the greatest moments that we have, the greatest time that we spend with our friends is more often than not spontaneous. Yeah. Absolutely. It's not typically not a planned mm-hmm. thing. It's I had a random conversation at the mass with John. And it was really great. Or, hey, things at the parish picnic got canceled this weekend. Julian, Brandon, do you want to just come over to our house and we'll play some games? Mm-hmm. And like those times are just they're they're really filling because mm-hmm. all you're doing is putting down a. a a hand mm-hmm. and just saying, I, I would like to spend time with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially like, 
we're all in a good spot right now where we have the time yeah to just you're doing it right see each other like mm-hmm. you know but god willing someday like we'll have mm-hmm. we'll have kids i'd like to have kids you mm-hmm. know um god it's willing, gonna be someday, amazing like, yeah john you're gonna you're gonna have kids someday yeah, and really hope so man. like what are we able to still pull that and i understand it's right. not easy having i can't imagine but actually, <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so just real quick, because I feel like this should be said, because sometimes kids get brought up in the sense of like they're a deterrent to community or they, um, uh, they're going to saddle us with, um, you know, like a burden and we could have been doing some other things instead, you guys. Oh my goodness. If, if someday we could even talk about like the treasure that is family life mm. and like, would you trade like a night of games for some pudgy little toddler hands giving you pinball flipper hugs, you know, like where their hands just go like this on your shoulders? I mean, I think it's amazing. I've always thought like as a as a parent, one of the things I often sense and I see it and I feel it is that um, there's like a balance to life. So like there's something really great. Maybe we have to give it up. But like he gives us something really great. And with kids, there's like, it's it's a hard thing, you know, like, so babies are so cute. You guys, ridiculous. Like oh, you, yeah. you literally want to put their arms in your mouth sometimes. You're <laughs> like, why? <laughs> why yeah, do I want to do this? Yeah. You want to eat them up. You, you just <laughs> want to like, I, I actually think it's this urge of like intense communion. Like mm. you want to be so close to that, that person that you love. Anyway, so, but... I think it's an intense feeling like you can't avoid it. But um, at the same time, they are super a lot of work and you're losing sleep and whatever. But um, then they get a little bit older and they're less work. Uh, Still super cute, talking in their little gibberish ways. Um, But like they're showing you slivers of their personality now. Mm -hmm. And it's like every step along the way. Now I've got teenagers and I would give anything to like have these moments where I get to continue to see like who is this person that God has made and has entrusted into my care. Like it's amazing to yeah. see them. So I, I would say like don't worry about giving up community with friends. It's weird. Everything in its time and in its season, you don't even end up regretting things as much as you think you will. Yeah, like you're sure. so in love with other things. Like like when you got married, you probably felt like, oh, maybe part of me loves being single because i get everything my own way but like the in- amazingness of being a married. new door opens yeah like, like, you know low I, key, I, when elizabeth went to steubenville this year and i couldn't go because <laughs> i went from three months of vacation <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> i was like the joke thing. that like uh whenever you tell a teacher like you get like three months off like uh-uh we have like xyz these kind of no we get three months off that's how that works we i maybe got together with some like some of the other teachers on my team maybe twice but it was on our schedule and mm-hmm. we didn't have to go to school mm-hmm. so three months off so from having three months off to a week i have like a week i'll get two weeks it's in intense January, isn't it i'll go up to three but um so elizabeth was stupid was at steubenville I couldn't go because I couldn't use the vacation. Um, and I was alone at, at the house, which I thought, I'm like, this is going to be great. It's going to be like I'm a bathroom <laughs> again. This is going to be awesome. I hated 
Yeah. Most of it. Yeah. Because it was just, it was so weird to not have my wife in the house. Like, I got to do the things I wanted to. I had the poker night. A bunch of you guys came over. I got to play a bunch of video games. It was Mm -hmm. great. But, like. It doesn't fill you the same way. It doesn't fill you. No, because I'm just like, I really just kind of wish I was with my wife. Yeah. I'm with you there. Um, You know, and and I kind of, you know, by a couple of days later, you know, it's like, all right, you know, I'm really glad that she's home because it's, this is, this is what I've chosen. Um, That's pretty, and and that's pretty cool. Um, I think everybody, that's why I like having like just little snippets of time to myself instead because... I, Too I still many get days. that time to myself, but then like my wife is still in the house. Yeah. So it's we're still able to 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 be together. Um I was gonna oh, I was gonna say, um, and how when we're when we're looking at the beauty of family life, yeah, is that every family is so different. Different. Yeah. And there's not like a, a cookie cutter way that a family should be in right. especially in the Catholic community, because like we can hundred percent. We can see don't these obsess like about the externals. perfect yeah. Catholic families where you know the dad is the big breadwinner and the mom is able yeah. to stay home and um, which I like that model. I think, like you know, I, mm-hmm. I think that's great. I think sometimes parents are the best teachers of their kids. I think that's I think that's important. Mm-hmm. Um, but how great is it that in every single family, your family, mm-hmm. Diane, your family, John, my family. We all show a through our through our family mm-hmm. show a different sliver of who God is. Mm. Absolutely, and we don't need like our family is our family as long as we're loving each other. Yeah, as Saint Teresa of Calcutta, mm-hmm. you want to change the world, go home and love your family. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, there's no perfection that we need to live up to other than mm-hmm. the perfection of God. Right, and trying to be that, which we're never going to get to on this side of the veil anyway. So. That is we just very true. Keep striving, so um, you know, I, and I, and I'm sure there are some days that are easier than others for right. you. <laughs> Having six kids, I remember when I um, first met you uh, four years ago at a, at, I think it was at it was at the parish picnic. Nice. And it's like ten o'clock. Elizabeth and I are still sitting there listening to you know whatever music they had playing. I don't think they had a band anymore, but you would come over to say hi. And then you were like saying all these things that you were still going to do. And then like you were like, oh, I'll probably, maybe I'll get to bed at three. But then I'm going to get up at like six and do these other things. And you walked away. I'm like, who the hell? I don't that? remember that. I don't know about that. that. She's like, oh, yeah, that's that's Diane. I'm like, geez, she must have a lot of free time in her hands. <laughs> and she's like, no, she's got like four kids. I'm like, what? <laughs> I don't know what I was doing till three in the morning. I don't know, <laughs> guys. Watching Downton Abbey. Who Probably, knows? Yeah, like, <laughs> it's totally like productive. Your, um, just the the immense sacrifice that you give of your time and efforts to your family and and, and to the church. Um, I can't imagine how hard it must be sometimes with six kids and, um, you know, you're you're over at Roncalli or doing stuff here and you're such a um, noticeable member of the community. I mean, even when we were at the church picnic, like you're, when I would see you were just, you're talking to everybody because you've got the I gift of like gab. doing right? that, yeah. Um, Notice how I wasn't like doing productive things, but <laughs> I 
I was taking Dr. Schindler's advice and I was just being <laughs> at the time well, think, instead of and doing. I, and I think that's I think that's important, but you know, I, I I think we all we all need to strive to be a loving family in whatever context yeah. that we have. Yeah, it will look different. Is the, and I think Elizabeth did a great job with the charisms the other day, talking about how different God will use each one of us mm-hmm. to touch other people in this world. And I think if people just pray to discover how it is that God wishes to use them, mm. um, I think that they. Well, I don't know. I just feel like it gives you the reason to do those things. Mm. I feel like if, I don't think I would ever do all the things I do if it was just a job. There's no way. I think when you feel like it's that important, I mean, I feel like I only stopped to sleep. <laughs> you know what I mean? But mm. but I feel like loving my family is important. I feel like reaching out to friends and to families and the community is important. Um, and yeah, so I feel like those are fun things, you know. They're important things. Um, I love doing them. For sure. So, um, I I knew this episode was going to be long, so I didn't even. I think was about wondering, it. like, huh, are we on hour three? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I don't know. Um, so we're at an hour forty-five. Huh? It's so actually shorter. Than I it's a shorter than I than I thought. <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, no, because I, I honestly I could be here for m- way more. We'll have to just like add like a, a disclaimer at the beginning. You like, know, I think I'm done. Like, I, I just kind of like <laughs> we have this it. beautiful <laughs> idea of like short podcasts. You know what? Pause it. Listen to the rest of it later. I don't care. Yeah, That's I, I, true. but just like you know, sometimes it's best not to like we said before. You know, spontaneity. Sometimes, but just do. Don't have a plan. Just kind of do it, and then see where it takes you. Yeah. You know? dangerous risky yeah, beautiful but, but that's sometimes <laughs> where the best conversations come from and this has been awesome thanks for having me on guys uh, it's been oh, a, we're we're so 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 happy to well, have you on i think um hopefully one one of many happy um, to come back anytime so. can't imagine that we got people we got, have the time for this but we that's got the okay. fourth <laughs> mic in mind of having you and greg on at the same time. oh it would be so fun um, because he, your your story of your marriage is so cool. Oh, like. he's you guys don't even get to see like Greg in all his glory. He's incredible. He's a good guy. Yeah. Very funny. So not that I want to like sit here and brag about it. But anyway, yes. We could take another fifty minutes and yeah. brag about our spouses. Oh my goodness. Right. We'll have a, <laughs> a spouse episode. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So thank you. Thank you so much, Dan. If you would like to be like Diane. Uh, and you would like to be on the show. Um, we've had also, we've had some more people email us. Um, I, I do want to give the disclaimer, of course, if you're coming to us from the from the Compass article, thank you so much for, for giving us a chance. Um, we'd love to also have you on the show. We'd love to hear your story. Uh, we are going to try to get preference to those who are in our parish here at St. Francis because that was the goal of the of the show. Uh, but we're not going to deny anybody, in theory, uh, from being on the show if you want to be on the show. And if you want to be on the show, you can email us at humblyspeakingpod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. I'm going to take my Father Mike Schmitz. Um, please pray for us. We are definitely praying for everyone who listens to this podcast. Praise be Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.